Welcome back, everybody, to the Stadium Journey Podcast. Thanks for joining us again this evening. Check out our website. If you like what you hear on the podcast, check out our website, stadiumjourney.com. We are the world leader in sports travel information with reviews of over 2,500 stadiums, ballparks, arenas, gymnasiums, igloos, whatever. Um, anywhere that where there's a ball and they keep score, we'll visit there. Uh, we got places from all around the world. And we are more than just an awesome website. Follow us on our social media channels. We can be found at Stadium Journey. For our podcast, if you would like to find audio versions of our different episodes, simply pick up your phone wherever you look for your favorite podcast. Type in HIAC Talk Radio, and we'll be right there. If you would rather watch the podcast, go to Stadium Journey's YouTube page, and we're there too. And if you want to be part of our live studio audience, like our good friend Gregory, we record live every other Tuesday night at 7 Eastern at Dan Law TV. Just a heads up, we may have some schedule changes for the summer because, you know, we're busy. Uh, so just stay tuned. We'll let you know how those changes go. So we got the gang all here tonight. Dave Cotney's here. Follow him online at ProFan9. Mark Viquez, the Ballpark Hunter can be found. Where else? At Ballpark Hunter. And the above-average comedian, Dan Calachico, is here. Follow him at DanLaw83. And I'm Paul Baker. You can follow me at PuckmanRI on the internet. Tonight, we're happy to be joined by my close personal friend, Heather Shy from the Ocean State Center for Independent Living. Heather is here to discuss with us issues about accessibility in sporting venues. Now, accessibility is an issue we touch on from time to time here at Stadium Journey. And, and in my opinion, anyway, it's one that warrants a larger discussion, and we're glad to be able to do a little bit of that tonight. Uh, regular visitors to the website may remember that we've had some articles regarding this issue in the past. Um, off the top of my head, I can think of uh, our colleague Meg Menard has written a bunch of stuff about closed captioning in stadiums. Um, I know I did one article in the past about comfort rooms for fans with autism and for you know fans who bring their very common around. Now. Very common. Which when I yeah, I wrote the article a few yeah. years ago when they were just starting. I think the Indianapolis Colts were the ones who pioneered that. But now, yeah, Mark, you see them everywhere. Yeah. So um it's something that we yeah. touch on from time to time, and it's a bigger issue for a lot, a lot of sports fans. And um Heather's one of those fans. So um Heather, thanks for joining us. And why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and why we had you come on to talk about accessibility? Sure. Um, thanks for having me. Hello, everyone. Um, so I, my background, so you mentioned my, um, job at Ocean State Center for Independent Living. Um, our goal is, you know, to assist individuals with disabilities to remain independent and living their own homes and communities. So as a person who is, um, visually impaired, um, it's been a goal of mine my entire life to assist others with disabilities and recently was moved into the position of independent living coordinator, which is a role which is more one-on-one -on -one with our consumers. Um, a big aspect, one of our core services is peer support. And um, so um, at OSL is Ocean State Center for Independent Living for short, um, over 51, at least 51%, if not more of our staff have disabilities. So therefore it's cross disability. And so whichever disability a person has, it's likely that we can provide one-on-one -on -one peer support for that individual. Um, regarding getting into like the sporting world, um, almost 20 years ago, my boyfriend got me into uh, hockey, which, you know, very exciting and started attending Providence Bruins games, uh, became a full season ticket holder shortly thereafter. And we began traveling um, to many arenas to see the Providence Bruins play. I also, you know, do Red Sox games and I've been to Gillette for other things, not uh, for an off season football game, never been to a, a regu in regular season game. Um, but yeah, Paul, I, I absolutely, you know, definitely started seeing differences between arenas um, and stadiums regarding the accessibilities issue. Okay, so yeah, um, we'll get into all the places you visited because you've got a hockey um, itinerary, your your uh, resume 
probably as big <laughs> as any one of us on the panel here. So uh, we'll talk about some of the places you visited later. But yeah. um, you, you mentioned um, your disability has to do with your vision. Yep. So, um, I think as part of the the background for this uh, this podcast, I think when we put out the podcast, if you don't mind, we'll we'll put on some of your uh, your stuff because you just graduated college recently. And, I did, and you didn't cross the stage to get your diploma alone because you have a companion who who is a regular <laughs> at the Bruins games as well. I did. So about uh, six years ago, no, yes, six years ago, twenty seventeen, in February, um, I was matched with a guide dog at Guiding Eyes oh. for the Blind. Um, his name is Asher and I would never go back for me personally using a white cane is awesome. Um, however, the white cane, you still have to tap around things and, you know, uh, with the guide dog, you say to the door and he brings you right to the door. You don't going to tap anything or accidentally walk into something. Um, he brings you around obstacles. He notifies me of curbs up. He'll stop. He'll put his um, front paws on the curb, uh, curb going up. He'll put his front paws on the curb and then look back like, okay, you ready to take the step? Mm -hmm. Let's go. Um, and curbs going down. What he does is come to an abrupt stop and he won't go forward until he notices that I'm making the, the progress forward. And I make that step down and then he, then he will go. Um, and curb cuts are amazing guys. Uh, that was, <laughs> I went to Guiding Eyes for the Blind. So I went up to the school for three weeks to train with him. He was already trained. Um, then they have to train the human. And uh, when he first brought me to a curb cut, when I say to the curb, he brings me right and aligns me correctly with the crosswalk. And I just was a little ball of tears at that point. Mm -hmm. Like it was so incredible. Um, the freedom that that gives you as an individual with a vision impairment. Um and one of the days they take you to Manhattan <laughs> to walk amongst all the hundreds of thousands of people on the sidewalks there. And it was summer, so it was very busy. And um, let's talk about liberating, not needing to hold on to somebody and just walking down the sidewalk in Manhattan wow, uh, with, with this little hero. Wow. And I do call him that. He is my little hero. I guess um, you make it there, you can make it anywhere, right? That's it. That's it, Paul. <laughs> yeah, so Asher, uh, graduation day was amazing. I, as, um, like I said, I'm 49. I attempted college a few times. And usually it was some type of an accessibility issue or um, the last time most certainly was. Um, there was an issue with professors not wanting to provide my material and uh, accommodated way um and even with the guidance from the uh disabilities coordinator the teachers refused uh oh. and at that time i was behind by two months in five classes and i i just at that time had quit hardest decision i had made my goal was to get back to college before and graduate before i turned 50 and i'm proud to say i was only i was still 48 when I graduated. So it was um, a couple of years before the goal. And so I went to, I signed on to um, Southern, New Hampshire, Southern New Hampshire University online um, because of transportation issues and stuff. It made it so easy for me to attend college. Um, and I was working full time and uh, achieved my bachelor's in human services with a concentration on gerontology. Um, so it was, the one of the main reasons I was able to move up within um, at OSAL um, and to get my independent living coordinator job. So it was, it was very freeing and uh, very exciting. Um, do you want to, I can explain my eye condition a little bit if you'd like. Yeah, I think that would be oh, helpful yeah, for do. our, uh... oh, one more thing about, about going to school. Asher got to walk with you at graduation and he yes. had his own cap and gown with his own message on his cap. Yeah, so I figured, well, um, co-worker and her mother made Asher his own gown. So his gown matched the colors in my my scarf. And um, his cap I purchased. And on the top of his cap, it said, I gave her all the answers. So mm -hmm. um, he, he couldn't get enough attention that day. And of course, you know, um, no one's supposed to touch uh, a service dog on a service or a guide dog while they're on harness. Um, but the 
person sitting to my left in the row before going up to get my degree. Um, she said, Heather, I don't know if you can tell, but everyone who's passing Asher has these smiling from ear to ear on their faces. So I know he brought a lot of joy that day too. And the funny story about um, going up and getting my diploma from the school president. So nobody, I wanted to do a rehearsal and here's talk about accessibility. I wanted to do just like a dry run through. So I knew like how it was gonna go, which direction I should be facing, um, you know, where Asher should be, et cetera. They're like, no, 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 it's good. It's good. You're going to, you know, you'll be fine. Okay. So we get up and they were like, so, cause I didn't want to hold on to somebody. I wanted to just let Asher go and lead me. So they let him do like maybe eight feet. So she's like, okay, go ahead, go straight. It's your turn. So I go up. I don't know which way I'm supposed to look. Asher's got me turned around. So the school president's like, nope, this way. And I'm like, that way? He goes, nope. So I turn and I finally, you know, they, they're they trying to take a photo. So they take the photo. It came, you know, Tim said it came out good. So we're, we're good there. <laughs> but poor Asher is facing the wrong way. In the picture, like with me and uh, the president and Asher, it's like Asher's rear end. <laughs> so, um, so you got to kind of laugh at that stuff, but you know, it would have been better if they had let me do a quick walkthrough. Um, but yeah, no, he, he was very much a celebrity that day as well. Yeah. So why don't you, uh, tell, tell our listeners a little bit about your particular disability. So I have what's called Libra congenital amaurosis. It is a child version of retinitis pigmentosa. So that just means I was born with retinitis pigmentosa. It's, it's just a different version, a uh, variation of it. Um, with LCA, which is Libra congenital amaurosis, um, you are born with it. It's you know, developed in the womb. With retinitis pigmentosa, um, it can happen at any time. So you're born sighted, but however, you could lose your, you could begin to lose sight, you know, at age eight, age 30, age 50. Um, some, I've known a couple of people that um, it didn't start to appear in their vision until their mid sixties. Um, so regarding LCA, it's a retinal degenerative um, eye disease. And when I was born, I was legally blind, but I had a lot more vision than I have now. Um, I was able to ride a bike. I was able to read with, um, just glass, like thick glasses and a, and, and a bifocal on the outside, um, which was higher strength. So I was still able, I was able to visually read um, my childhood. You know, I just couldn't read the board at school and stuff like that. But I, it was, it was, you know, pretty good as a child. I, you know, <clears throat> couldn't play sports because of like not being able to see the baseball or anything or um, be able to like be prepared to see a basketball come at me or whatever. Um, and then, you know, going into my twenties, it was pretty stable. Thirties, pretty stable. Um, beginning of my forties, I noticed a change and I started to lose the ability to read, uh, visually read. Um, so I started looking into learning screen readers. Um, there's one called JAWS uh, for the computer that allows me to do everything that everybody else does. Um, it's just all keystrokes, uh, no mouse. If you can picture like never using your mouse and just using the keyboard to, to work on the computer, um, which <laughs> it's a whole other accessibility thing for another time. Um, some websites, et cetera. And so at this stage in the game, I do have a little bit of residual vision left. Um, it's so hard to describe what I see. Um, sometimes what I say is like picturing a donut and you can see through the donut, you can see around the donut. However, there's this whole area where the donut is that is not there for me, but the eye and the brain are very handy and very skilled because it doesn't, there's no black spots for me. It's just when I try to look in a space that I know, okay, I can't see that way. Um, so I have a tiny bit of peripheral left, 
Um, and at this stage in the game, everything is voiceover. My iPhone is incredible. Um, their wow. voiceover features. Um, and like I said, screen readers for my, uh, um, sorry, laptop and computer. And there's a million apps to help people these days uh, with vision impairment. So, um, you know, it, that's how I'm kind of getting along these days. Um, and then the most recent one is more so of some, it's kind of like, I don't know, you guys remember the movie Poltergeist, right? And then there's oh, yeah. like the, mm -hmm. the fuzzy screen or, you know, and sometimes my eyes are starting to do that. So um, even just like matching clothes right now is a little difficult. Like I'll put a sweater on for work and I get to work and be like, oh, glad these two colors happen to match today. Um, so sometimes that happens. But, you know, my outlook is you live your best life and you we do. We're just like everybody else. I'm just like everyone else. Um, I just have to think outside the box sometimes to do things. All right. So you mentioned being a longtime fan of, uh, of the Providence Bruins in particular. So I'm guessing that there's a big difference in how you experienced a hockey game in the year 2000 and how you experienced one today. So how about we uh, talk about some of the things that have changed over the years? And even if there's some changes to the bed. Oh, so in other words, like how I see a game? Yeah, sure. Oh, okay. So yeah, when I when I was first starting um, to attend games, I was able to um, like tell the difference in the color, like the jerseys from the distance where we sat. And so I'd be able to tell like which I couldn't see numbers or names or the puck. I'm, but you know, I'm I'm knowledgeable enough and, and I'm in hockey to know who's shooting which way, um, and then the colors. Um, however, fast forward to today, um, I can't distinguish the players at all. Um, but I still know which who's supposed who's supposed to be shooting at which end, <laughs> and uh, you know where the play is. And I have to give my him, um, my boyfriend, a shout out because he is one of the most amazing play-by-play -play guys around. Um, so I have my own personal play-by-play -play guy. <laughs> um, nice. Yeah, yeah, and let's not forget, you know, Asher tries to tell me too, but you know, <laughs> you know what was amazing about one time, one interaction I had with Asher is we bumped into you in a game in Syracuse, I think it was of all places, and um, it was it had been a long night. I think it was the night the Bruins got eliminated one year in the in like the yeah. semifinals, <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, Asher's worked hard enough. And once you took that yes, that harness off of him. He just became a dog and he was just jumping around on everybody who walked by and <laughs> looking for ear scratches and everything else. It's funny. Like, yeah, dog's going to be a dog when it gets down to it. That's it. That's it. And that's what people, that's just, you know, on a side note, that is one of the things I do want people to know is that, you know, never feel bad for a service dog because I guarantee you a guide dog or a service dog that there is a lot of play going on. There's a lot of love and these dogs get rewarded well for the service that they provide um because everyone who has one knows how important they are and appreciates all they do and yeah that is the most incredible thing paul because people will actually comment on that like oh my gosh oh my gosh like look at the energy look at the difference like <laughs> wow you know um how like well you are i get now out of work at the end of the day like all right let's go have yeah, a night. exactly <laughs> Exactly. You, know, you should see him when he comes home. I, I say he gets the yayas out. <laughs> uh, he does his little zoomies. Um, zoomies. But... <laughs> I know the zoomies. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, that's my train of thought. But that happens a lot on this show. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, what else did you want me? I'm sorry, Paul. I kind of gotten off there. No, that's... If you've listened to the show before, you know we go off on yeah. tangents all the time. So, uh, I like how you assume there's a, ever a train of thought going. Yeah, on. we we this this <laughs> show we do not have it all uh, spelled out in advance. We I, like I want to correct Dave and say there's definitely a train, but it's not of thought. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it may not Real always make mate. it all the way to the station. And I do want to say, if you guys have any questions, I'm more than you know. Don't 
be worried about offending or anything like that. I'm, I'm somebody kind of always happy to answer questions. There's never a silly question at all. Oh yeah. Heather's let me know. What what the hell are you saying? She's let me know that more than one occasion. <laughs> no. right, so um, I guess a lot a lot of your experiences are going to be you know from from uh, local Rhode Island Boston places. So um, geez, uh, I know you. Uh, have you ever gone to a game without Tim? Because I can't recall ever seeing you there without Tim. So, we uh to the well to the Providence Bruins I have. Okay. Once, he was sick. <laughs> So, no, how, how was that experience? Different. I mean, how was that experience different? Is is the dunk a place that's pretty accessible? What? So the Dunkin' Donuts Center is. Well, it's not the Dunkin'. I know anymore. it's not that anymore. I know. I Probably. can't call it, yeah, call is, it that. It? I'm sorry. The Amica Mutual Pavilion. Oh, that's it. It took years for on. people to stop calling it the Civic Center. It's going to take years Center. for people to stop. Yeah, calling it the dunk. I will never call the it the dunk. Amp, but anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, the amp seems forced. <laughs> It just does. Um, no, it's it it's going as an individual without somebody to assist. Um, it is accessible. I will say the one thing that I really like about um, the amp um, is that the handicap accessible areas are very handicap accessible, and they have a shelf for your beverages mm-hmm. and your stuff. Yeah, um, a lot of other places do not do that. So I think it's one consideration that was thought about, like, where are these people that really shouldn't, I mean, I can reach the floor, but someone in a wheelchair may not be able to reach right. the floor. So where are they going to put their things? Um, so I do, I do like the fact that they've always had those little shelves there um, for people to put their beverages on and stuff. The only thing about that place no just kidding i can't call it the amp all the time um is that they do have one family bathroom and because for someone who's visually impaired with a guide dog uh sometimes going into the regular bathrooms can be a little stressful, especially if there's a line, um, you know, as people are waiting, you don't know which stall is open. Um, generally, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, instead of putting the wheelchair accessible, the handicap accessible bathroom nearest to the door, it's usually the one that's all the way in. Really? And yeah. Now I got to look at that. <laughs> now I'm mean, Maybe I believe you. I definitely believe you. Maybe not all of them, but the majority of them, um, you have to like walk in the entire length of the bathroom and then boom, there's the uh, handicap accessible bathroom. So seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? It kind of does. Yeah. So, you know, the family using the family restroom is much easier. And at the amp, there is only one. So you're walking the entire length of the arena to get to it. And I think that that's a little... Um, hard for some people with disabilities too because if that's what they prefer going into a private restroom you've got to walk the entire 20 some odd sections get right because if you're there with your boyfriend he can't help you go into the regular bathroom and i don't know how much help your you know asher is yeah and then when your boyfriend accidentally walks you into a men's room that's always awesome (laughs) and you don't want to sit on the handicap stall in there because those are nasty much nastier (laughs) than the ladies room oh my goodness I've done it once. He's like, okay, I'll meet you out. He'll stay out here. I'll be right here. And I go in. I'm like, wait a minute. Those aren't things. Well, have you, have you ever been anywhere where there was more than one fam- little more accessibility to a family restroom? Yeah. So okay. Spring, the um, Mass Mutual Center, that's what they call the Springfield rank, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, they have two. There's nice. like one on each side of the rink. Um so yeah, there there are places where they've had to, um, of course, you know, the bigger they are, the more. Well, I shouldn't say that Springfield's a lot smaller, um, but they do have two, um, and some other places do, and I can't think of any others at the moment um, that I've actually seen to myself. Um, but yeah, that that's like that would say like that's one of the most um, kind of underserved things at at the amp anyway. 
you just brought up uh like the placement of um the the wheelchair accessible stall let's use that as an example so as someone who doesn't need that yeah i would not think of that as an issue which would sort of logically lead to the idea that um those who have uh experience or um ideas or requests would need to be vocal about those changes that would need to be made right follow, follow right. my logic here no i do i do um, and do you think that there are enough people who are are speaking up about those situations uh to to get some change and where would where would somebody go or where would be a good place to start to to see if some of those changes are made and and then we're it could be anything we're just i mean we were talking about bathrooms so that like that kind of sparked that thought but it could be anything mm. well i mean seriously so you can talk about the bathrooms and you can also say maybe like there are a lot of stairs at arenas right that don't have railings think about it so you, even if you have somebody with a mobility issue they don't have to necessarily be in a wheelchair but they don't they need assistance they need a railing to to move up and down so that that would be the only thing keeping them from sitting in a regular seat possibly um so yeah you're you you can look at all these issues unfortunately you would have to start with the owners of the of the buildings themselves and kind of share the importance of that um you know i can't say that i've ever thought of pushing for change that way so that's pretty that's pretty interesting and um something something to definitely think about um however there there is i have you know in the past if i hear something being built you know we can definitely like get in there and and it's always helpful to be proactive then have to fight for change after it's built right so yep, definitely. the accommodation is easier to explain and then it, you know and and probably a lot cheaper for the owners to um do rather than going in and, and kind of reconstructing what's been constructed already if that makes any sense perfect sense well i I just curious, what is mandatory by law? We we've heard of ADA cap capability of creating ramps. I mean, my neighborhood is creating ramps onto our sidewalks uh, for individuals. Uh, right. So they're starting with curb cuts, right? Is that what you're cuts. talking about? Yeah, yeah. start with curb cuts. But what what else has to be included in a stadium? Obviously, some of the older stadiums, like Mass Mutual, I think, is is quite older than the the dunk. Uh, they're actually about the same age. They're about the same age. Okay, so mid mid early seventies, mid seventies. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So like, well, even back then, I don't think they were as ADA. No, ADA was not a thing <laughs> in the seventies. No. So so ADA what, became nineteen ninety. Nineteen ninety. So what is needed? Like, what is by law that you have to have? Well, I think nowadays, and again, I'm no pro. Okay. Um, but I would say that nowadays is definitely the accessible bathrooms, right? Yes. Um, making everything, um, making, I would say, um, I don't know if electric doors on public buildings are, um, mandatory, but I would say that too, um, would be something that I would definitely do if I was building a, an arena. Yeah. Um, and then your ramps, of course, right now. So no stairs, putting in elevators, um, where needed. Uh, which, you know, they do have. So um, you will find that the majority of them are accessible now. Um, yeah, I don't think I've ever been to one that like someone couldn't access if they were dependent upon um, a mobility aid, like a wheelchair. Well, yeah. I, there there is one arena that I've come across and it's the Danbury, oh. Ice, Danbury Ice Arena. They oh, have wow. a really? handicap section, but it's the top, it's at the top of some stairs. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, we were, okay. we were looking at that, 
And I, Pam was asking me one time, what are you looking at? And I said, I'm looking at the handicap section. Look yeah. where it is. It's at the top of some stairs. How would somebody get up there in a wheelchair? Well, that's, <laughs> yeah. I sent you guys, I think I sent you guys a picture from Cleveland. Oh. Where there was a, a there was a, a, like a wheelchair picture on the end of a, on the end of a row. And it was like, you know, four or five stairs down or something like that. Yeah. You're like, oh my God. I was like, how? How is this like a handicap spot? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, well, apparently there's a lot of work to be done, right? So, yeah. Um, a lot of places are getting retrofitted, like you said, Heather, because they were built before 1990. So, yeah. right. Right. So, well, it's a slow and moving pro. It's a slow moving process. Um, and, you know, because you see it all the time in, in like federal buildings and stuff like that, that, you know, places are not accessible and they're, they're working to make them accessible. So you asked about how to make, like, if you, you start with the owner of a building, so you go that route. And then if you see no progress, if they're refusing to make something accessible, then you can go to like the Department of Justice and say, hey, you know, they have, every state has, you know, an assistant um, DOJ. And um, an assistant attorney general that, you know, works for the state, but are connected to D.C. And, you know, say, hey, look, we have an accessibility issue here. Um, we did contact the company, the business themselves. They're refusing to do anything. Is there anything you can do for us? Um, because that's I have um, Amy Romero is the Rhode Island assisted U.S. attorney and um she does talks for us and that's one of the things that she says is always try to communicate with the person first right because you don't want to be like that's it's just wrong <laughs> you know try to do it first and then you know if you see no headway then you then you can take the next steps um but yeah so that's the route that i would go okay dan did yeah. you have something i saw your hand up no i was stretching my arm oh, because okay. my nerve no, i I mean, I had a question. I know, that, like, I never, when I took my father, he's 93, he's in a wheelchair. We took him to the Milwaukee, I took him to the Milwaukee Bucks game. And, yeah, I had to push him into the main lobby where that giant screen is. But then somebody from the Bucks saw us and said, hey, come over here. And they led us to the elevator, and they took us all the way to the top where the uh, the seats were, the uh, handicap seats were. So sometimes, uh, you know, when they see you in a wheelchair, they see that you need some assistance. They'll they'll come out and grab you and lead you to the right spot. Oh yes, there's definitely an yeah. advantage. Oh yeah. In well, some sometimes, places. sometimes, yeah. Sometimes. I mean, do, do people reach yeah. out to you? Do they approach you, or is that um, common? I would say more so like asking for assistance. The, the okay. them jumping out to say, "Follow me," um, yeah. does happen, but it's it's. It's not as common as the, you know, hey, is there any way we could get some assistance here? Okay. Um, I have been able to cut people. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, somebody somebody sees someone with a survey guide dog and they're like, oh, hey, you know what? Why don't you follow me? Kind of like what you had said about, you know, um, showing you to your seats. Um, you know, you know, you know, you know, usually I'm like, no, 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 I can I'm good, you know. Um, but there are some times where I'll take advantage of it if the line's like really, really long. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, yeah, no. um, yeah. So I would say the place that we experienced a lot of kindness, and I have to admit, it was Gillette. Um, Gillette was really kind. Um, even like taking a chair out of an area, and we're like, wait a minute, didn't somebody buy a seat for that? They're like, we'll we'll figure it out if they come. Um, so, I mean, it was, they were went way above and beyond. We went to see a Coldplay concert there. It wasn't a sporting event, but there, their people Coldplay. were, yeah, okay. <laughs> their people were pretty incredible. Dave, you got something? Yeah. Uh, maybe stupid question. Number one. Yeah. No, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe I've already had one. There are. Um, you're a teacher. There's no stupid questions. No, stupid. are you kidding? Only I'm stupid sure. people who Tons ask questions. I was going to say stupid people. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyway, uh, Heather, do you all do you normally always never sit in a special section? 
like a like yes. a handicap section or or whatever um there are times where i leave asher home um and i sit in a regular seat would you so, have to buy another ticket for asher <laughs> <laughs> um you guys you guys go to millions of stadiums you know that seats are not accessible for dogs right so um they would definitely make me buy another seat for asher um really yeah there's no way my he's a yellow labrador and he's 72 pounds like a chihuahua he can't can't sit on your lap no (laughs) not like my chihuahua he does at home in the reclining chair he likes to be rocked like a baby (laughs) Um, labrador he could fit in a seat (laughs) so bigger seats arenas So, no. So I have, you know, I have done that in the past, Um, you know, a Boston Bruins game. And I'm like, you know what? Someone gave us these tickets. I'm not going to stress about getting accessible ones, switching, switching to accessible because that's a whole nother issue. Um, If I was to show up that day with Asher and say, um, you know, somebody gave me these seats and I need accessible because they're not accessible can i switch we've had it happen where they're like yes but don't do this again um and that was at the td garden and then we've had it happen where um they couldn't and you know we've had to go so if they don't have a seat for you they you know they they're like well there's nothing else we can do we're we're sold out um so it does happen that way so if i win tickets um or something and and you know i don't have sometimes i'll call ahead and they'll be like okay well you know we'll definitely make something happen come in with you know you can definitely bring them in um but if i sense any type of difficulty i will leave him home um and uh with somebody because the max i'll leave him home alone is like four hours so you and I, Heather, had a conversation a couple of weeks ago, I think, at the, one of the last Providence Bruins games. Um, you know, we're talking about some of the more obvious things that people would think about. Well, one of the hidden ones is if you need a seat in a special section, in a handicapped section, you can't just buy one. You have to get one for you and one for your companion. Yes. And you have to make sure that there's enough room for Asher. Right. So that right. can run into a lot of money because those seats aren't always readily available either. No, and that's what it was. I, you know, just for the craziness of it, I had been looking for a couple of seats to a Boston Bruins playoff game, and I it was like, okay, so I can find one and I can find three, but I can't find two in the accessible section. Um, and they don't let you buy two. No, no. So you know, it was, it was really disheartening. I just couldn't until I spoke with you, Paul, about it. And I'm like, oh, now it makes sense. But that's kind of unfair, <laughs> um, you know, to someone who needs, an, you know, someone to assist them. I mean, it happens to be my boyfriend, but, you know, I have friends who have personal care attendants and, you know, they would buy the ticket for them. And then they have to have somebody there to assist them with their daily activities so you know it, it it is kind of an injustice um that you can't just buy two um, but when, when there's three because they don't want to leave that one straggler open. Seat open because that's more difficult to sell right so right. yeah when there's three you can't buy two and they one other situation i'll bring up is sometimes when you call that's one point i wanted to make today um when you call to get tickets I mean, so the majority of tickets now are through Ticketmaster, right? So most yeah, most charge. everybody is doing Ticketmaster. Um, so Ticketmaster is a little bit more difficult for somebody using voiceover or a screen reader because it times out. And, you you know, by the time you're, con- you're done maneuvering around the screen and, you know, it's like, oh, you lost your seats. So you have to go back again. Um, so therefore what I generally do is I look for the accessible phone number to call, to order tickets, to like speak to a human being and to get tickets that way. 
Not Wait everybody. a second. Do you mean there's still human beings to speak to <laughs> when you call these things? Wow. <laughs> it's rare. It's rare. Um, but it does Sorry. happen. No, you're fine. Um, so, you know, so if, if a arena like, um, I'll, I'll use the Red Sox, the Boston Red Sox, for an example. They do have that. So uh, a couple of years ago, I think it was in 2019, I had called up and it's the accessible line there. You know, you're calling because you need accessible seating. And I bought a couple of tickets. Um, me and Tim, Asher was going to be going, was told they were accessible seating, which means like the folding chairs and plenty of room for Asher he this person did not say that um, but that's what accessible means to me so we arrived to the game and they put us in the middle of a section so Fenway Park we, which is not accessible anyway <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and so I'm talking to the usher I said these are accessible he says yeah these are accessible for the visually impaired I went, mm, but not with a guide dog. Maybe somebody who just uses a cane can sit here. But so we had to go to guest services. It took like an hour for them to figure out where they were going to put us. So um, I don't know if you guys heard, but the, the Fenway Park is doing their first blind and low vision day on June 4th. And so... <laughs> Perkins School for the Blind and other places, um, the Carroll Center blocked out a bunch of seats. So they gave me the phone number to call the person at Fenway. <laughs> so God, I was no. like, okay. So I talked to her and she's like, nope, I guarantee you these are folding chairs. <laughs> like, okay, okay. Um, so yeah, we're going to be, you know, going to that. But um, that was very interesting. So people's different um, vocabularies about what visually impaired means and what accessible means sometimes is different and you have to be extremely descriptive about what you need because right. at times Every, people, everybody's needs are going to be different yeah yes yeah um and you know i you have to mention like i have a guide dog i don't use a white cane so you can't put me in regular seats dave do you have so did you have something uh, yeah, exactly what she was just talking about. <laughs> I was I, I was going to ask about about uh, getting tickets and and you know if it's if it's possible to buy online or if it's good to buy online or if it really sucks to buy online. So I think I got my answer that it kind of really sucks to buy. Yeah. Online. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you can I mean, buy you can buy them online. It, there's like a checkbox and it says. Um, yeah you know, accessible. And then you check another box and it says wheelchair um, for someone who's um, got a disability. That's not a visual one. Sure. Ticketmaster is awesome. But for people who need screen readers and voiceover, it's not awesome because it times you. Now, when you, when you make that call, you're, are you calling the team directly or are you calling like Ticketmaster? No, apparently Ticketmaster no longer has an accessible phone line. They used to. I could actually call. It was only for people with disabilities. It was an 800 number just for people with disabilities. And, um, yeah, couldn't find that. I searched high and low, deep and wide for that phone number, and it no longer exists. So I called, um, you called the clubs themselves, like TD Garden, Fenway, um, you know, when I had to do stuff um, with other arenas for hockey, um, usually calling the clubs themselves. How often do you run into, you know, you're calling about about an event or whatever, and you're calling about uh, an accessible seat and like, it's just not available. There's There's none available. Well, they're not um, saying that there's none available as in in the venue, but you know, they're sold out or whatever. It, it, yeah, it's happened to us. I think we were going to be going to our Hershey game in Pennsylvania to, you know, see the Hebrews play. And um, it happened to us. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, and I think 
uh, did it happen in Springfield once? No, no, it did not. Yeah, so I can, go ahead. It happens, but it's rare. It's it happens, but it's rare. Yeah, I can sympathize with you because one of, on one of our crazy summer trips where we try to, you know, Pam and I do twelve ballparks in nine or ten days. Yeah. <laughs> we had we had a friend of ours come along with us one year, and and she's a little older now. She's in her seventies, and uh, after a couple of days, we learned that she required some special accommodations as well. And it and the, the, the minor league parks, it really wasn't a big deal because there's usually room, right. and uh, they're very accommodating. But when we got to a couple of the major league places um the nationals were pretty pretty good about it because they weren't full but we went to uh to somebody who was full and it was it was a tough shake to uh to get her an an accessible seat and there was no way they were getting a seat with her and the two of us so pam and i had to go to our regular seats and they were able to switch our friend around but i can definitely sympathize with with the plight there of just trying to find a place to sit yourself down yeah yeah and that has happened before um, we've taken my sister to games and now mind you, my sister's also visually impaired and can't see. She's got a little bit better vision than me at the moment, but you know, she can't tell everything that's going on either. So we need our handy dandy, reliable, amazing play by play guy to sit with us. Um, but we've we've had that happen where my sister and I would have to sit together and Tim would have to sit somewhere else. And I know Jerry's more of a baseball fan than you are, so um is are there differences between the different sports? You talked about going to a lot of different venues. Are there some sports that lend themselves better to accessibility and accommodations than others? Hockey. <laughs> hockey better, or is that because hockey, you're a fan, no. or is that because no, they just a better no, job? No. no, hockey is much better. Hockey's better because what happens is like the ballparks are a lot older. Um. We'll speak of Fenway. I haven't been to many major league ballparks, so I can't really speak on that. Obviously, you can, Paul. <laughs> um, but like I've I've been to Portland, and and you know we had okay access there. Um, I'll speak of the oh here here you go, McCoy. However, I know it was old and blah blah whatever, but their accessible seating and their accessible services were above the best ever. We went to one game at the new stadium in Worcester. Their handicapped seats. Oh, it's a mess. Are like, <laughs> it's a piece of plastic that has really no real backing. And there's metal pieces that stick out in the middle that I scratched myself on. Um, and you're pretty much sitting on the ground. That's how low they are disgusting that's a brand new park that's mm. disgusting so yeah i was always jealous um, of, of you guys when you're at postdoc schemes because you had such better seats than i did <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was such great view. you know for what we could see it was perfect viewing yes see now you've given me a different perspective on on the role uh my role as a pa announcer and and how that comes into play now explaining some of the stuff that's going on for fans who may have a little bit more trouble watching the action it's awesome that you know that's a very good point um you know because a lot of the time you know we'll be like oh you know did he die for it did he did he you know was that on his did he get on the ground because someone would be like oh he's you know dusting himself off it's like we hear it in the background we're like oh did he slide you know kind of like something like that so it is very cool have you ever whatever. have you ever like brought a transistor radio to the game or something or some headphones to listen to it while you're there so Jerry does that, but yeah, I know I'll Jerry tell does. you, I'll tell you the most annoying thing about that. And you can't it's talk not, to anybody. It's not <laughs> same time. No, it's delayed. Oh. Huh. So for me, that's that messes with me. So I don't do it. Um. Yeah, it would be. You know what I mean? It's like okay, well, you get the you get more details, but it's like you're watching it and then you're hearing it in some places. Um. You know, so it just, it's kind of like a messed up um, feedback. Go ahead, Dave. This is backwards day or something. You're taking my questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, usually you do that to me. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I, I, I totally understand that. Uh, I find, you know, if I'm driving in the car, especially if you're if, like listening on your phone, 
with like a satellite radio or something, the delay isn't like three or four seconds. It could be minutes. Yes. Yep. We tried it. When I first started going to Providence Bruins games, I was bringing a laptop in and I was pulling them up online because, you know, that's the only other way to hear the mm-hmm. whatever. Um, so I was doing that and it was like four minutes. And I'm going, this is ridiculous. Like, why would I want to do I can't do this. Especially <laughs> like, in a hockey game. Yeah. Some you know, places, I don't want to wait. I, I know wait in, in Toronto, you can actually get the live feed from the broadcasters, you can get that frequency. They'll, they'll put it and it's, and it's live time. So it's, it's like an FM frequency, but you know, aren't there some places that sell like there's commercials on, you can hear the guys talking in their headsets, right? It's it's like that live. Uh, I I know the NFL used to sell things, but yeah. I haven't seen them in years. Yeah, I don't know if they still do that in some of the bigger places. They sell those headphones that are like closed circuit they have to the broadcast that, booth. They have that signal going through on AHL TV, actually. Mm-hmm. Like when, when Kelly's watching the Bears, um, you will hear the commercials, but you will hear Zach talking to the producers while the commercials are going. It is not the same thing as the radio, the signal going over the radio. So right. it's very yeah. interesting. That's a good idea. It's there is there. You remember second audio program on TVs? You remember yeah, SAP? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. There has got to be a way in 2023, either at these venues or at home, to have a second audio thing going through for, yeah. you know, someone like Heather, someone who's visually impaired mm-hmm. or someone who is blind just to hear what's going on. Because when you're who cares about the cuss words at that point? No, I don't <laughs> care. I don't care. Well, I know. You know what? I'm offended. I can't see, but I heard the F word. Like, (laughs) I know the NFL, (laughs) the thing that they were doing, I mean, that they they were selling that. That was money, right? It required the the little earpiece or whatever you paid for that. And then you had to pay for a subscription too, right? So, yeah. um, But I know, like, yeah, I think really the only place I've, I've heard it is Scotiabank in Toronto. And and you know on a on a regular hockey broadcast or whatever, like you got the the TV guys and you're hearing what they're they're saying, and then you know Glenn Healy's in between the boxes and they're talking back and forth or whatever. Or, uh, and it's actually kind of funny because you know they go to commercial and and one of the guys will go, "Wow, man, that was really weak on the goalie. Yeah, what a sieve. Mm. That was terrible." <laughs> yeah, like I've done that too. Like watching the games. Yeah, yeah, you you definitely hear that stuff and they. They forget um, that they're on live mics. <laughs> do you do you listen to like games other not necessarily at the game, but do you listen a lot at home or Oh, all of twenty twenty we watched all of the Providence Bruins games online. Okay. Not twenty twenty, but twenty twenty. Uh, do you listen right after do, COVID? Do you prefer to listen on the radio or like television or Well, so here's the problem, right? So if you watch certain sports, um in certain broadcasts during the playoffs for hockey. Sometimes you'll get people they're supposed to be play by play, but they're given a lot of facts and there's a lot and it's during the game. And like, cause we're still watching the, you know, hockey and stuff. And um, they're going on and on for about five minutes about something. Nobody's talking about the fact that there is a hockey game on the, on the ice. And that's when I get frustrated. And that's when I'm like, all right, let's turn it off. Let's put on the radio. Oh, let's pull it up on satellite because that's frustrating to me. And sometimes that happens with local broadcasts too on the TV. Um, so, you know, football's another thing during football season, watching a Patriots game and they don't want to talk about the Patriots, what's going on on the field. They want to talk about, you know, the biggest news of the day and instead of calling the game. So we'll put on the radio because they're going to, they have to call the game. <laughs> Um, that's that's unfortunate because, and I've told Paul this, easily the worst broadcasters I've ever heard are the Patriot guys on the radio. Like, they're just so bad. Yeah, they... they... <laughs> Zolak is terrible. Yeah, I will agree with you. <laughs> they can be chatty, too. And it, I mean, the fact is, I will, you know, I know a lot of people aren't fans of his, but I happen to like him a lot. He's a little wonky. Um, but Jack Edwards is one of the best people for visually impaired people watching hockey. 
very descriptive. Um, hardly, um, sorry, what's the word? Hardly participates in banter. Um, basically does his job and does it very well. And I've actually written to him because of that. And just to kind of thank him for that, because people don't realize how important it is to the visually impaired world. And, and uh, for those of us non-New Englanders, who's who's Jack Edwards? Okay, he's the ne- one of the Nesson um, broadcasters for the Boston Bruins. Okay, so he's on television. Yes. Highly, highly maligned by most of the hockey world, but hey, yes, no I, good- as a Flyers fan, <laughs> I don't mind Jack Edwards. One of my favorite calls is when they choked in 2010. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, they, and then the Flyers lost to the Blackhawks, and the Bruins won the next year. So what the hell do I know? <laughs> I worry about where where radio's going uh, because you're finding more and more stuff that's sort of falling off. Uh, like there's no coverage of it on on radio at all, or or it's like you have to. It's all shifted online. You have to stream it specifically yeah. online, or. Dude, I was thinking about this, Dave, the other day. I was thinking about this because, um, and I listened to WMMR. Mark will know that is religiously. And mm-hmm. I listened to Preston Steve. And if you listen to Preston Steve, radio sounds great. And they're involved in so much locally and nationally. And then you listen to some other, or you check in on other radio, and you're like, I, dude, what's going on with radio? Like outside <laughs> of that little bubble. Hmm. There's nothing. It's all on the internet now. And for some yeah. people, that's a problem who are not primarily on, primarily on the internet. They have lost that outlet for news, or if sports. The, or if the internet's not accessible. Mm. Right. There are places I live around here. Uh, knock on wood, which is here. This is the best internet I've had. And I've lived in, I lived in the Philly suburb the first half of my life. And where I am, and I'm not going to dox myself, this is the best internet connection I've ever had, except for tonight. It's making me yeah. <laughs> Of course, because we're recording. <laughs> right, because we're recording an amazing interview, and it, of course it decided to do that. However, <laughs> it's been two years without a problem. It's been the strongest connection. There are places five miles up the mountain either side that don't have it. And wow. what, do you, what do you do for Newt? You have to have an AM radio chilling out in the barn somewhere <laughs> or you're, you're not going to know. And yeah, it's just, true. yeah. And, and I was just thinking about that and it just occurred to me, listen to this interview. I'm like, wow, that's, that's a problem. And radio is essentially dying other than a few things. Not everybody's going to the internet unless you stick a, the satellite internet, like, um, the self-proclaimed genius wants to do uh no comment uh <laughs> like there's got to be an alternate an alternate an alternative to get the internet oh. to people who cannot get the broadband up the mountains and and places that are inaccessible well and think about this like and we all live in in essentially suburbs right we're mm-hmm. we're next door to big cities except me <laughs> uh, well then you're in the middle of the nowhere it, it pretty much <laughs> <laughs> but but that local that local piece is lost it's overshadowed right yeah. so i mean we've always in kitchener we've always been overshadowed by what's happening in toronto but the like the death of a local newspaper the death of the the local radio or or the corporate corporatization of local local radio so you know where they're just essentially playing off a a, a, a playlist or whatever and there's a very little local to it that loses that identity. And I mean, essentially those local issues never get heard or seen or fixed until they become big, big problems. Right. 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 Sorry. Soapbox. I'm off. Listen to your radio people. Yeah. Listen to this. Queen was right. Queen was right all those years ago. Radio Google, Radio Gaga. Um, this the buggles, interview, the buggles, they were right. Yes, they were. Uh, this uh, Trevor Rabin, the only good song he ever wrote. Um, this interview has kind of opened my eyes to that, like, because I used to know my, my radio show's doing good, I don't care. And, and now I'm kind of like, oh, that's oh, 
that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> well, no and alternate as, signal, man. As a teacher, and you know, you'll get kids are like, "Oh yeah, I want to go into radio," and, and like, <laughs> no, you don't. No, you <laughs> don't. Yeah, great. Like, no, there's like, you work like a dog, and there's no money in it, right? Like, I and you asked, get fired every couple of years. Yeah. One of the things I appreciate about that relationship with Preston and Steve on MMR is they are sh- straight up honest. And when I was much, much younger, first getting into them, I asked them to their face. I want to get into radio. And they both looked at me and said, don't do it. You don't understand. This was luck. This was Preston did, like you said, Dave, for 20 years before this of just bumming around, barely making money. And then they went big all of a sudden. Don't do this. Do something else. So I didn't. And I'm miserable. (laughs) (laughs) Like, damn, I shouldn't have listened. Yeah. we're, we're, we don't want to keep you all night as I think this is where that we're headed. But one thing I do want to ask you before <laughs> we let you go, um, what would you say advice to fans who encounter yourself or someone else who, who, you know, who needs some accommodation, who needs some accessibility, either in good ways or bad ways? What advice would you give them? Like, help me, leave me the heck alone. What okay, would you so- like to hear from other fans, you know? Oh, sure. Like, so fans, fan to fan, is that what you're asking? Yeah, yeah. Or, or you know what, even to the teams out there, what, what, what is needed? There's two ways to answer this question. What's needed that's not there? What, what's important that, that would, they need to step up on? So, all right, now okay. I, I gave you like six questions. That's <laughs> all right. Um, so what I'd like to say about that is always ask first. Always ask. There's never a problem asking somebody if they need assistance. Never assume that they need help. Um, Never touch somebody's mobility device. Never pet the guide dog on harness or service dog. And some service dogs don't wear harnesses just to let everyone know that um, because it's not required. It's not mandated. You know, it's not a law that they have to. So they don't. Um, I know a coworker of mine, his service dog does not wear a vest. So just to never, never touch. Um, I did have somebody at the Dunkin' Donuts Center actually take Asher's leash from me. Um, completely no, no. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I could, I could go on for the rest of your time with no, stories. Don't about ever what... touch my dog anyway. <laughs> Um, you know, yeah. So I basically told them, um, first of all, I was like, do you wear glasses? And they said, yes. And I said, how about I take your glasses off your face right now? And then they kind of got it. Um, so yeah, so always ask first if someone would like assistance. Um, if you, if you feel that they could use assistance, that's the best way to handle it. Um, say, oh, you know, is there, do you need any assistance? Can I help you in any way? And then the person will, you know, say no, thank you, or yes, please. And this is what you could do for me. Um, That's always helpful for me. It's, you know, um, that kind of thing. Uh, So that's what I would like people to know. Thank you. That was the way, that's where I was going with that question. I don't think I articulated it very well, though. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad I read your mind, Paul. I'm glad. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so thank you guys so much. It was a pleasure. And if you have any other questions, always, you know, Paul knows where to reach me. So um, I hope, you know, I made some sense and, um, you know, taught you guys a couple things today, too. Absolutely. It was a pleasure to have you on. And, I, and this topic was fascinating and open. Like Dan said, it opened my eyes on a few things that I had never, hey, hey. never considered. <laughs> my privilege to ask. <laughs> 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 All right, folks. So that's all the time we have for tonight. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And Heather, thanks again for joining us. Thank you guys so much. It was a pleasure. And all right. So uh, let's see. Dan, where can our listeners follow you? And you got anything planned before we all get together again in a couple of weeks? Uh, Dan, ninety three, and no. All right. Mark, how about you? Where can our listeners follow you? And what, what do you have on your agenda? And you can follow me on Twitter, Ballpark Hunter. Also, YouTube, Ballpark Hunter. Uh, check out my videos. Taylor University, who's also one win away from the NAIA 
college world series so check out the video if you're near upland indiana check them out beautiful stadium uh next couple weeks i don't know i could be up in beloit madison wisconsin or i could be down in nashville or uh trash city uh not trash city rocket city trash wow. pandas yeah <laughs> it's just a trash city trash wow. city i have nothing against the town of i think madison alabama but depends i could be either one of those i, I want to school's out for me in two weeks and i just want to get on the road and and go someplace so uh could be there could be somewhere in chicago joliet white Sox. we'll we'll find out i'll let you guys know all right follow nice. me nice dave where can our listeners follow you what do you have on the agenda uh i am happy to say and i'd like to wish a happy 25th anniversary coming up to mrs profan nine and myself so 25 years which is a little crazy uh you know if i'm crazy she's got to be crazier for sticking around for 25 years uh but we will be uh heading to the greatest ballpark in the world pnc park in pittsburgh so we'll be heading there i'll be there this weekend and you can follow uh my sporting adventures for hopefully another 25 years at ProFan9 on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, You're hitting the Pittsburgh for your 25th anniversary? Well, next year we're going to Barcelona with work, so. Ah, nice. You can guys <laughs> easily do 50 years, yeah. You could do 60. Maybe. My, uh, my in-laws are heading on 60 pretty soon. I think next year is 60 for them. For me, uh, you follow my stadium journeys on Twitter or Instagram at PuckmanRI. Where am I heading the next couple of weeks? Um, well, I got I got a certain graduation party to go to on Saturday. Heather, hmm. <laughs> we're looking forward to that. And oh. um, the Brockton <laughs> Rock start up next week, so uh, I'll be back behind the microphone, the PA mic that is, for my second season up in Brockton. You want to talk about Trash City? No, Brockton's not Trash City. That is wow, different. you guys! Have you ever been to Brockton? It's not the. I didn't even know it existed until three seconds ago. Not the loveliest place, but um, oh, you know what? Uh, I I've had nothing but great experiences in Brockton. Hell, that's where I got married at Campanelli Stadium. I so, never. Um, I always had great experiences in Camden. Yeah, me too. The couple of times yeah, I've been there. See, um, <laughs> every city's got its nice places in except for the time i ran the the traffic light driving the fire truck to fire we're not (laughs) so um yeah starting uh next thursday that's where i'll be for much of the summer Uh, again you can follow me at puckman ri and remember stadiumjourney.com that's where you can find all of our 2500 plus stadium reviews news items and other features connect with us on our social media channels at stadium journey audio versions of this podcast Search HIAC Talk Radio, and we'll show up for video simulcast of the podcast. Check out Stadium Journey's YouTube page, and to be part of our studio audience, join us every other Tuesday night at 7 Eastern at danlaw.tv. We will be back in two weeks. That will bring us to May 30th, and we will be joined on that night by Jamie Tozer, who recently finished the Herculean task of visiting all 60 Canadian Hockey League venues. We talk about Club 124. All 60 Canadian Hockey League venues might be a little more impressive because there's some out-of-the-way places there. So, uh, once again, thanks to Heather Scheib for joining us tonight. And for Dave, for Mark, and for Dan, this is Paul wishing you all safe journeys and close games. Hope to see you on the road again real soon. 